0: And this morning we are going to look at Revelation chapter 3, 14 to 22 and the church in Laodicea, the lukewarm church. Before we start, first of all want us to see what this word lukewarm lukewarm, means sorry by definition it means lacking conviction lacking conviction It is lack of enthusiasm, lack of interest, divided attention, sitting on the fence. And one thing we should, be, we should note here is in the kingdom of God there is nothing like sitting on the fence. It's either you belong, it's either you are in or you are out. It's either you are part of it or you are not part of it. It's either you are, the, you are a friend or an enemy. That's the kingdom of God. You can't be here and there. And that is what what the spirits are saying to the church of Laodicea. They describe them as a lukewarm church. In the previous chapters and verses, we have gone through the letters written to the church of Ephesus, the loveless church, the church in Smyrna, the persecuted church, the church in Pergamos, the compromising church, the church in Teutra, the corrupt church the church in Sardis, the dead church, the church in Philadelphia, the faithful church. All of these churches have their characteristics. If we add the Calvary Chapel, what will it it give to them, to us? Do we belong to any of these? As we've learned, the book of Revelation is self-explanatory. It is the revelation of Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly come to take place. And he sent and signified by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the word of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Revelation chapter Sometimes I prefer my portable Bible, but, um, Revelation 3.14, to the end, the lukewarm church. <clears throat> and to the angel of the church of Laudation, write, These things said the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are richer, Miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with the eyes that you may see, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcome, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Chapter 1 describes a vision of Jesus Christ unveiling aspect of the Savior's power and eternal mission, including reassuring truths that the Lord labors among and with his faithful servants. The purpose of the book was to strengthen the faiths of the members of these churches by giving to them the assurance that deliverance. From the evil powers arrayed against them was close at hand. However, one thing we must not fail to note is that the message of Revelation is the same as that of all Scripture. One, there will be an eventual triumph on this earth. The power of God over evil. A permanent victory of good over evil. Victory of the saints over their persecutors. Victory of the kingdom of God over the kingdom of men and Satan. Victory of the cross over all principalities and powers, over sins and nature. As Brian told us last week, The beautiful edifices, sophisticated technologies, large auditorium and membership is not sufficient enough. It's not sufficient enough for the church to be alive. The church needs Jesus to be alive. Christians indeed need Christ to be alive. It is only through him that we can be saved. Salvation, as we all know, is not by the work of man's hand. Salvation is by faith and in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter two, read from four to thirteen Ephesians. Chapter 2, 4-13 to 13. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in, in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised, up, up, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of work, lest anyone should boast. For we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepares beforehand, that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand, that at, the, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you have once you who were once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made both ones and has broken down the middle walls of separations. This morning, we are going to look at the last but not the least, the seven letters as addressed to the angels of the Church of Laodicea, also known as the Luke One Church. Geographically located, Laodicea was about 45 miles southeast of Philadelphia and 90 miles east of Ephesus. It was strategically located in the valley of Lycos River and on the most important road from Ephesus to Syria and then to Asia. Lodicia was a wealthy city with thriving banks, textile industries and medical school. It was one of the richest trade centers in the world it was also the center of the courts. Like Sardis, it was also a center of the cloth trade, famous for clothing and woolen carpets. They made the clothes from a local black wool and were proud of these clothes. But they did not realize that they were naked in the sight of God. Thank you. Sometimes our wealth, our blessings, those things that God bless us with, sometimes take the place of God in our individual lives. Sometimes we focus on all these things and therefore be taken away from where we belong. I have seen so many people blessed but prior to their blessings or when before their their prayers were answered they were zealous very very committed keeping times being there even braving the weather and they were on their knees asking God for a particular thing Sadly, when such is granted, you hardly see them. The question is, is that blessing a curse? Or is that blessing meant to draw them closer to God? We cannot answer that now because that is human nature. And that's why the Bible said that we should not trust even on the horses, on the chariots. We should not trust on man. We should not trust in anything but him. He has answer to every question. He has solution to every problem. And in his presence, there is no impossibilities. That is the God we serve. That is who Jesus is. The Laudations has famous medical school and well-qualified doctors that deals with people's side problems. They were very good at that. They produce special eye on ointments that comes from a rock in the area. All these characteristics played upon in Christ's message to the church. Because of their wealth, they were completely self-reliant self-determination. Around 60 AD there was a very severe earthquake. The Laodacians were extremely wealthy and self reliance They refused help from, from, from the Romans. They believed strongly that they did not need anything. They were so wealthy that they did not need even God. How true is this in our world and churches today? More wealthy we become, more estranged we become to Christ, to the church, and to the things of the Lord. But God does not look at these things. If God wants to bless you, he will bless you. He knows that you will be there, he knows that you will not be there, but that will not shut him his hand. What he promised to each and every one of us here represented, must must surely come to pass. But this morning I exalt each and every one of us, as much as God is blessing us, let us not estrange let us rely on him, let us continue to come to his presence, to seek his face that we might live. We know nothing about the history of this church, we do not know who started it. Epaphras preached there in Colossians chapter chapter 1 verse 7, 4 verse 12 and 3. So he may have started, started the church. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Laodicea, Colossians, Colossians chapter 4 verse 16. An early Christian writers says that Archippus was the first bishop of the church in Laodicea. Paul mentioned this man in his letter to the Colossians. This is what he says to him, see that you complete the service which you have received from the Lord. Colossians chapter 4 verse 17. Maybe Archippus was not doing his job very well. This was however 30 years before the church received the letter in Revelation. In John's time the Christians in this church were not doing very well. The letter to this church is the most severe one. The Lord Jesus Christ has nothing good to say about this church. Starting from verse 14. There are three titles here, and they are about God's faithfulness and authority. One. He is the Amen. In Isaiah, God calls; God is called the God of Truth. Isaiah sixty-five, verse sixteen. But in Hebrews, His title is the God of Amen. Amen means, "May it be so." It comes at the end of a serious statement, and it gives authority to that statement. We can be assured about, this, about its truth. We say amen after prayer. Often in, God's, in John's Gospel, Jesus' statement begins, Truly, truly I say to you, The Greek's word, the Greek's for truly is Amen. It is like Alpha in the title, Alpha and Omega. It emphasizes God's authority and power. Jesus is all that God is. When God said something, it must surely come to pass. And we can be sure about that. Amen. The second word there is He is faithful and true witness. Jesus is the witness that we can depend on. He's the one who is true. He came from God and therefore the only one who can tell us about God. We can depend on His word because He is the faithful and true witness. This description does not fit the church of Laodicea. They were not faithful and true. They were not true witnesses. The third one is, he is the ruler of God's creation. Ruler has two thoughts. Christ has complete authority. He rules over all creation. And he is the primary origin of all God's creation. You can see that in John 1, 3. Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 18. In verse 15 here, we have the word cold, hot, and lukewarm. Cold means cold like ice. Hot means simple, very hot. As one commentator put it, Christ will will rather have frozen Christians or he will rather have very hot ones, those on fire for the word of God. What is it saying here? We can only be two states. And not in between. We had to be very chilled or very, very hot. I wonder when when the weather is very warm, how many of you would like to to have hot water or rather lukewarm water? What you need at that point is cold water. And when when it's cold, very cold here, what you need is hot water, and if somebody, if you go to somebody, like we go to um, Ellen and Simon, they always give us hot, hot tea, hot coffee, and in that, when it's cold and you go there, they give you hot, um, cold coffee or lukewarm coffee, you will ask them to warm it up a little bit. God is saying here, that we need to be on fire for his word. We don't need to sit on the fence, one foot here and the other here. We can be divided, we cannot afford to be divided as Christians. Our faith, our trust has to be where Christ is, completely. He said, like uh, the commentator said here, Christ would rather have a frozen Christians or he would rather have very hot ones, those on fire for the word of God. There is no in-between state. As we all like hot food or cold, we do not like food that is slightly warm we will prefer either very hot or very cold food, depending on the, on the mood. Christ hates the state of being neither one nor the other. He wants us to be spiritually at boiling points. If you go to Romans, Romans chapter 12, oh, we, we don't need to go there, but Rome, just for you, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 11, and Second 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. Six miles from Laodicea was the town, Hierapolis. Here there were famous hot springs. Near also was the town called Colossi. It had a cold, clear stream. It had excellent drinking water. The river Lycus, like however, dry up in summer. So Laudations had difficulty getting pure water. They would use a long pipe to get water from the springs. But when they drink the water, it was neither cold nor hot. It was also not pure and made the people sick. The church in Laodicea had that effect on Christ. I know what you do, you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were neither one, you were either one or the other. The Christians were neither cold nor hot. This was a terrible sign of judgment. It's a terrible sign of judgment. Jesus is the Son of God. He became human and died for our sins. God raised him from the dead. It is right that we serve him. We must serve him with all our energy. We must put him first in our lives. We must open ourselves to the fire of the Holy Spirit. Christ is against the church that is neither cold nor hot, such is not worthy of him. It will even be better to oppose him than to be in between. You have to declare your stand and that's why you have to be either cold or very hot. These are the strong words against a false, weak church. Verse 16 it says, You are only warm. You are neither cold nor hot. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. This also is a serious warning. Verse 17, the Christians in Laodicea say that they are rich. They think that they have become wealthy. They think that they do not need anything. And this is different from the church in Smyrna. The Christians there were poor, but they were very spiritually rich. The people in Laodicea, suffered from the earthquake in uh, in 60 AD, but they refused any help from the Romans. They depended on their own efforts. Not to depend on others, it's not a bad attitude. It is good in relation to material things. it is definitely not good in relation to spiritual things. The people in Malaysia were miserable, they were miserable people, but they did not recognize this. We should pity them. They needed God's mercy. They were poor, blind, and naked. They were quite content after all, they were rich people, they owned the city banks, they had successful medical schools, they had good clothing business, they were quite happy as they were. Like I said earlier, all these things are meant to strengthen the effects and I have seen it. Even if we look, if we look at the world today, our societies. You see, I use. uh, If you go to Africa, for instance, or some part of Asia, let me use Africa, where I know very well. Churches and Christians, for instance, you see the zeal. Some of them who they will pray from morning till evening. Some of them, you see them, you know, observing um, fasting. You see them on their knees, even you see churches everywhere. You see people, like, you, you, the way they treasure church, the way they do church things, you know, is quite different. The reason is, Maybe because they they lack so many things. And because they lack so many things, they see their limitations and know that God is the source of everything. Many of them they sleep in the church. But the downside of it is some of these churches take. To your advantage, but when you come to a place where you have everything, where you don't need to sweat to get what you want, you become a bit relaxed. You become a bit cold. You tend to sit in between. You hardly make time for God you hardly pay attention to what the Spirit is saying. Praying and fasting. I can't, I can't remember when we've done that in this church. I don't know if somebody can remind us when we last had something like praying and fasting. There is nothing bad about it. But there are some Christians somewhere elsewhere that they do this all the time. Most of them, even the food, is hard to get. Yet they, the little they have, any time they have, they observe this. But when you are in the midst of plenty, you tend to relax. That is natural. This is the, the state of the church in Laodicea. They had everything. The life was easy, happy days. They have everything at their finger at their fingertip. Whatever they want, they have it. They have the best doctors, the best medical uh, uh, institutions, they have textile industries, they have bags, was a thriving city so to them they don't need anybody they don't need Jesus they don't need God in their lives they are self-sufficient but here the Bible is telling us that we should pity them why because they needed God's mercy In the midst of all this, in the midst of all the all this wealth and all all everything, they were poor, blind, and naked. You can imagine somebody that sells textiles, garments. Yet they export garments. They sold garments. They manufacture garments. Yet they were naked. They have riches, yet they were poor. They have, they produce even ointments, eye ointments, yet they were blind. In verse 18, the Lord Jesus advises the Laudations to buy gold from him gold is made in a fire, pure fire. Fire represents faith. If you go with me to the book of uh, to 1st Peter First Peter chapter 1, chapter 1 verse 7, okay I'll read from 6. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. If need be, you have been grievely, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise. Honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is how Peter described faith. Wealth can do many things, but it cannot buy happiness. It cannot buy good health. It cannot help you when you are he- when you are lonely. If all that you have in this world is wealth, you are miserably poor. The people in Laodicea were proud of their clothing threads. The clothes that they made were famous. They sold them all over the world. The Lord Jesus says that they are spiritually naked. He mentioned their shame in verse 18. In the ancient world, I think even still today, to be naked could mean to be ashamed. There are references to this in the Old Testament. One where Christ said, I am against you, against Nineveh, when God's against the Nineveh I will put your dress up over your face. I will let the nation see your naked body. Nahum chapter 3, verse 5. To have fine clothes is an honor. Pharaoh gave fine clothes to Joseph. Genesis chapter 4, 41, verse 30, 42. The king gave David Daniel purple clothes. Daniel 5 29. The lost son came back home. Then his father gave him the best coats. Luke 15 22. The Lord Jesus Christ requires this from the Christians at Laodicea. They must buy white coats from him. This represents a new character only the grace of Christ can give this, you cannot buy it in the shop, you cannot get it anywhere, only through his mercy. Laudations, they were very proud of their eye ointments, but they were blind to the truths of the gospel. Christ advises them to buy ointment from him only Him can give real sight John chapter 9 verse 39 maybe we are not eager to serve him maybe he does not have first place in our lives then these verses represent his view of us. Verse 19 says, those I love, I correct and discipline. This is a reference from the proverb. You are most precious to me. Therefore, I give you strong discipline. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 12. The purpose of Correction is not only punishment, there are many references to discipline in the Bible. The Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, 23, verse 13, 14, 27, verse 6, 29, 15, and 17, Psalm 19, 12, Job 5, 17, First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20, 32. Hebrews 12, 4-11, all these verses teaches about discipline, godly discipline. They made us aware that our state is serious. The Christians in Laodicea do not deserve Christ's love. However, they deserve it List of all the churches, they are spiritually sick. And Christ said that He will speak them, them out of His mouth. And this is His judgment on them. Yet, Christ loved them. He desired that they change their ways. He asked them to be serious and repent. They must stop being lazy and sleepy. They must start being serious about their faith. And verse 20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Christ is there, standing at the door. He's knocking up to this point. John has been writing to the Christians in the whole church Now there is a change. If anyone it mean, that means every person maybe the Christians in the church as a whole will not listen but some Christians will. Christ's voice is the voice of love his promise is to anyone who opens the door He is saying to us, this morning, I will eat with you. Today, he is knocking on the doors of our lives. We can either answer or refuse. He will not break into our lives. We must ask him in. Verse 21, the letter to the Laodicean Church finishes with a wonderful promise. The promise is for those who have won the victory. It is for those who hear, acknowledge, and obey Christ's message. He give them the right to sit with him on his throne. The throne represents the honour that is due to a king. It is the sign of victory and authority. For those who believe and put their trust in him, it is a place of honour with Christ, the highest honour anyone could have. In Matthew chapter nineteen, verse twenty-eight, Jesus promised his twelve disciples that they will sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This promise is for every Christian, is for every believer, is for you and I. It is for everyone who is faithful and obedient. Jesus won the victory over sin and death and sat down with the father. He is sitting on his father's throne as ruler of all God's creation. He won the very the victory and it is important that Christians understand this. He won by the way of Christ, by the way of cross. And it is the same for all those who follow him all believers all the christians the believers in laodicea would have had times for the for christ the cross seems to be a defeat but in truth it was it, it was victory the christians may suffer But they need not fear. They too will win the victory. As Christ shared the uh, the Father's throne, so Christians will share Christ's throne and will have some responsibilities in the kingdom of God. This last verse is for every person who hears these things. He should listen to what the Spirit said to the Christians in the churches. They remind us of an expression that Jesus uses, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The phrase here is almost the same. It adds what the Spirit says to the church. Christ spoke the word of the letters but the message is the word of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke in the Old Testament times. He spoke through the prophets. In the New Testament times he spoke through the Apostles. The Holy Spirit now speaks Christ's word to Christians in every church. He speaks to every person. The address of each letter is to a different church. But the end of each is for the churches every church including this the message relates to the circumstances of each congregation the lord the lord's will for his church is always the same it is for every church in every age and in every place He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen.